In this homily, I want to first um, say some words about what today's feast day is, Mary's Assumption, and then um, I'll tie in a bit of the, uh, the gospel reading from today, as well as um, last evening's Vigil Mass gospel reading. When Jesus was, when, when Jesus died, when he was crucified, um, died, and then they buried him, he was wrapped in swaddling, swaddling clothes, or clothes, garments, um, similar to when he was a baby that first Christmas day, uh, wrapped all up tight, and then he was there and put into the tomb. Their tombs were, were made out of limestone or sandstone, but the whole area of Jerusalem is that. They, they couldn't dare, you know, a, a dig an eight-foot hole in the ground and bury somebody like we can here. So they would usually uh, make a little cave into the sandstone, a little diff, uh, different portions or holes, and then they would place the dead bodies in those locations. They would roll a stone in front then of, of the tomb, of the little cave, so that wild animals don't come in and carry off somebody's uh, you know, beloved um, uh, body away. So that's what would happen with Jesus. They put him in the tomb. They, of course, expected him to rot, to you know, come a couple days later and, and have a stench and so forth. So they would embalm the person. They embalmed Jesus, beautiful perfume, so that people could come visit the grave on multiple occasions before the body rotted, before it had that stench. So when they came um, the third day, and they came Sunday morning to, to again embalm Jesus, the women said that he was not there. The angels had told the women that, that he had risen from the dead. His body was gone. So they went back, they told the apostles, and so forth. And then there's, of course, Easter Sunday, where we celebrate that great day, and, and Sunday itself, where we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Today's feast day of Mary's Assumption to Heaven we celebrate a similar event where the apostles, um, Mary dying of old age, they took her and they buried her there in a tomb. It's actually also in Jerusalem. It's near the place where Jesus was buried. Uh, there's now a church over that location as well. So they came then um, the next day or a few days later and Mary's body was also gone. She wasn't there. So the early church immediately understood that God had raised her from the dead, that she did not suffer decay uh, like, like all the others before them. So Mary was assumed by God into heaven. It's not something that's new for the history of the Judeo-Christian religion, because we know that Elijah was taken up by a fiery chariot into heaven. Even the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, we hear that Enoch was taken up to God. So it's, it's nothing uh, new within the church. It's, uh, of course, a special grace that God has given to these individuals. So, so God makes Mary blessed. He, um, he even calls her blessed on different occasions. But it, uh, the gospel that we just heard, it's the occasion of Mary's, uh, or when she conceived Jesus. So, so Jesus is just a few days old within her womb. She goes down to visit her cousin Elizabeth. When she comes to Elizabeth's door, what does Elizabeth say? Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Elizabeth calls Mary blessed, for indeed she is. And then, and then Elizabeth goes on to say that this, her, the child in her womb leaps for joy. Well, we know that Mary, of course, is pregnant. Jesus is just a few days old from his conception and his humanity. Um, it's, it's also one of the passages why we are, all Christians are pro-life because of what we see here. 
But there's this interaction with Elizabeth, and Elizabeth um, three different times calls Mary blessed. And then when Mary responds, she responds with uh, what the church calls the Magnificat. It's the first word in the Latin of, of her song that she proclaims. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked upon his lowly servant. Listen to this. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. We, many generations later, call Mary blessed. But it's, we call her blessed because of what she said and because of what God did to her. And that it's, it's God who has looked upon his lowly servant. And Mary says, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. Other translations say, my, my soul magnifies the Lord, which comes from the Latin magnificat, anima mea. You think of a magnifying glass, that Mary doesn't make God greater than he is. Just like when you hold the magnifying glass up to the piece of paper, you know, the words on the paper don't become bigger, but what you see becomes bigger. Your, your understanding of those words, it, the magnifying glass, makes it look larger, even though the words stay the same. Mary magnifies the Lord. She proclaims the greatness of the Lord. She's blessed. She's blessed. A number of years later, uh, when Jesus begins his ministry, this relates to last night's gospel reading, also from Luke's gospel. A number of years later, as Jesus is there speaking to the crowds, a woman from the crowd calls out and says to him, Blessed is the womb that carried you and the breasts at which you nursed. It's a, a more visual way of saying you have a great mom. <laughs> and, and Jesus' response is rather amazing. He's, he again calls Mary blessed. So he replied, Rather, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. Of all the people, of all the Christians who have lived in the world, Mary is the one who has heard the word of God the most and observed it the most. We see that, going back to Christmas Day, you know how God sent the angels to the shepherds in the field to proclaim to the shepherds the glory that you know we sing at Mass, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of goodwill. And the shepherds hear the angels singing the song, and they go on into Bethlehem, to the, um, to the cave, where Jesus was born, and they tell Joseph and Mary about this. They worship Jesus. And then Luke writes, as the shepherds left, and Mary pondered all these things in her heart. What is she pondering? She's pondering the word of God, the command that he has given to the angels to tell the shepherds that this child has been born. She's pondering it. Twelve years later, as, as Jesus is lost in the temple, or rather, Joseph and Mary think that he's lost in the temple. You know, they're searching for him for three days. Jesus stayed back in Jerusalem, talking to the teachers, talking to the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the elders uh, there in Jerusalem, there in the temple. And when Joseph and Mary come, and they finally find Jesus there in the temple, Mary says to Jesus, Son, why have you done this to us? Son, why have you done this to us? And Jesus responds, Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And then Luke writes, And Mary pondered this in her heart. 
she ponders, she ponders um, the words of Jesus. She ponders the words of God. And in pondering it, she's able to make choices. No married, no couple gets married unless they first ponder the marriage. You know, start liking somebody. You start pondering that person. Start thinking about them, what words they say, what they do, all that. And the more you ponder that person, the more you realize, you know what, God is calling me to get married to this person. Or God's not calling me to, to marry this person. Mary ponders these things, and then it causes her to observe it. That couple ponders one another, ponders marriage, and then they're able to, they to make the choice of living it out. So there's three processes. First you ponder it, then you make a choice, and then you, you do it. You, you observe what you've been pondering. You observe the Word of God. So Mary does this throughout her whole life. Seventy years ago, this November 1st, the year that this physical church building was built, uh, the church, uh, Pope Pius XII, uh, required that all that all Christians believe in this feast day. It had been celebrated for centuries earlier. Even one of the mysteries of the Rosary, which was given much earlier, is the, the assumption, Mary's assumption into heaven. Pope Pius XII required that all Christians are to believe that Mary was assumed into heaven because some were starting to not believe that. It's, it's whenever, um, so the church was given all these teachings by Christ you know, and, and they saw the observation of way or how things were happening, how the church was established, and so with how the Holy Spirit was working. But what ends up happening is people arise and they start denying certain aspects of the truth. So Pope Pius XII saw that people, Christians, Catholics, were denying the assumption of Mary, and, and because the church has always believed it and taught it, um, he declared that if you're going to call yourself Catholic, you must believe in today's feast day. You must believe that Mary was assumed body and soul into heaven, not because of what she did, but because of what God has done for her and to her. God raises Mary from the dead. Jesus calls her blessed. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. Some time ago, it's now, I think, almost two years, I was visiting Father Keith Streifel in Dickinson. And um, as I was visiting with him, I, I was talking about uh, maybe getting some fish. Um, and he said, well, I have a, a fish aquarium. So he um, brought me into his garage, and he um, gave me his 50-gallon, uh, um, or his 25-gallon uh, fish aquarium um, so that I could use it to, to raise some fish. And in the process, I, I looked over and I saw the statue of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and the arms broken off. And I, I said to him, where, where did you get that from? And he said, so a parishioner gave it to me. He goes, if you want it, you can have it. And I said, well, let me think about it. And I thought about it for a bit, and I saw some pictures here of the church, how when this church was first built in 1950, that there had been a Sacred Heart statue in this, in this um, church. Um, so I said to him, sure, I would, I would gladly take it. I'll send it off to have someone fix it up. And of course, as you know, as you've already guessed, it's the one that's over here to your right, um, to the left of the tabernacle. I had this uh, gentleman um, 
in Grand Forks painted according to the, uh, the crucifix, the same style, the same, you know, gold trim and so forth. But I said to this, this gentleman, I said, I'm also looking for one of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And, and um, he said to me, someone gave me a statue of Mary's assumption into heaven. Um, he said, I can give it to you for free. Just, you just had to pay for the painting of it. So I, I, he sent me pictures, and I, I saw the one back here. And I thought, those two fit well. It's not the Immaculate Heart of Mary, but it's Mary holding her hands over her heart, this heart which has said a perfect yes to God, who has responded to his word and observed it. And I thought, you know what? That, that'll fit well in this church. So we have the a statue of the Assumption of Mary into heaven. If you look at the statue, you'll notice that she's not wearing a veil. Normally, um, a woman will, will wear, wear a veil. Even when Mary appears to um, people, she's always wearing the veil. Um, she's not pictured with the veil, usually on, on her assumption into heaven. It's because she's entered into the very glory of God, where one no longer needs to be veiled. But we who, who are on this earth, we, uh, we, still cl we clothe ourselves because we protect ourselves from um, being used as objects um, by others. So um, Mary is usually, you know, in the full dress, um, veil, etc., with the exception of the statue of her assumption to remind us that in heaven that uh, one, one is completely open before God and God fills us with his glory. We're, we're clothed with him. We're clothed with his grace with his um, goodness, his love, his beauty. At this Mass, I, I want to um, encourage you to pray for um, specifically two things. And um, it's first of all this. Let's pray that we may always hear the Word of God, that we may ponder the Word of God throughout the week, not just as we come to Mass, but throughout the week. That can be done by you know reading the Scripture passages of the day. It could be other spiritual reading. But to really to ponder God's word often so that when it comes time for making decisions that we may truly be able to observe God's word. We may be able to observe his commandments. The other grace that I would uh, like you to pray for and all those of you who have been coming and making um, a holy hour on Thursdays now that we start this up, uh, 12 hours of adoration, um, I would like you at this Mass to pray for all Catholics who um, are no longer practicing the Catholic faith, our own family and friends, you know, our neighbors, those that we know, those that we love. We, let's pray at this Mass that God may, may bestow his goodness upon them and that they may respond to his goodness, that they may experience his mercy, his love, and that through the great sacrament of confession that um, they may be able to come back to the church to... Um, to worship God here in the Blessed Sacrament. Let's pray for these two graces at this Mass.